paid up. When I steps on the floor, I don't waste time. Two seconds, one shot, I'ma make mine. Put a three-pointer on baseline. They want my spot. I'm trying to save mine. So you should move over. You should move over. What's up, everybody? How you doing? This Hoop Narrative. It's your boy, Fred Joe, and I'm here with my boy, OT, man. What's good? What's good, man? Yeah, man. We got a special guest in the building today, OT. I see, man. Seattle's very own. Yeah, man. He's a legend around these parts, man. We want to welcome Jamal Crawford, man. A, a, a big round of applause for Maul, man. We want to thank you for coming on, Maul. I appreciate it, bro. I've been watching and, and just waiting for my time to get on because I'm a yeah. fan, bro. What y'all talking about, the content, what y'all doing, and it's, it's much needed. So I'm excited to be on here. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. I just, Definitely. You know, so, little background is Jamal crafted in the 2000s, round one, pick eight to the Cleveland, instantly shipped to Chicago. You know, you had a Long, great, some great things, man. Just a few notable things. Three times six man of the year. And uh, to ever score 50 points with four teams. Well, I'll talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, bro, like, for real, for real, like, when I was a kid, I used to dream about being in the NBA. Like, we all have. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, really, like, I used to collect cards. So I could tell you everything about every single player, because I was collecting cars. I used to sneak in the Sonic games. When I was in LA, I used to sneak in the Laker games. And I sneak in early enough where I would see them shooting pregame and they would have music playing, right? And not knowing, they just playing over loudspeakers. I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, okay, that's what the pros listen to. I'm about to go home and listen to that. Maybe it'll help my chances get to the league. You know what I mean? So <laughs> just all those things, bro. So to, to dream about those things and then accomplish, you know, those things and, and, and like, being the best league in the world and have and leave a mark and leave an imprint like it's a blessing. We're all take it for granted. Like I'm humbled by it. Sometimes it still don't feel real. So for me, I'm just stuck in the moment and just feel thankful about what's behind me and the future. That's good. That's good. One question I want to segue right into that, Ma. I want you to talk about is this your 19th season, correct? Well, yeah. Well, technically 20th. With yeah. The, the bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I want you to talk. Briefly about the uh, the the key to playing that long of a career in the NBA. Just if you could, you know, let the people know yeah. what it takes. I think um, it takes a little bit of luck, to be honest with you, as far as health goes. Uh, you know, I didn't do nothing to, like, abuse my body, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Like, I just – I've never been into it. I think keeping the main thing, the main thing was easiest for me, right? Because, you know, it is. if you love the game, you're going to put in extra work. You're going to get in the cold tubs even you don't feel like it. You're going to foam roll we you don't feel like it. You're going to get these massages. You're going to change your diet because when you do that, it's more like a lifestyle. Like it ain't nothing you can fake do. You got to do it all the way. You got to commit to it. So I think part of that commitment is definitely the reason, you know, why I played so long. You know, and I didn't come into it like, oh, I'm going to play 20 years. Right? I was more like I was going to have a long career. At that time coming up, you play 10 years, eight years. That's a long time in the NBA. You know what I mean? Because the average is four years. So if you play eight years, 10 years, that's a long time. I've had like two long careers in one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's a blessing, bro. Like, and it just kept me sharp. Uh, I never got out of shape. I'm always in shape, ready to go. So for me, it's not the shocks of the body when I take months off and get back into it. I just don't take the months off. I look at it like if I, if I took a job in New York, let's say, right? Right. You know, my house is here in Seattle and nobody uh, starts the car 
nobody turns on the lights, right? After a year coming back, that car's not going to run as smoothly. Right. The, the lights are going to be popping. You know what I mean? They're not going to work as smoothly. <laughs> so I just keep my body running all summer long. It may not be the same intensity, but I'm doing something to stay active. And I mean, anybody who lives or is from Seattle knows that about you. Uh, it ain't hard to just to turn around or go to the to the gym, local gym, and they're gonna see you in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, like it's it's that's just always been me, bro. Um, I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm gonna keep it real with y'all. My last year in Chicago, we played the Sonics, and when you come to a, a city, wherever it is, you you know, you're getting up the city, whatever time, three, four o'clock, drop your bags off, go see friends, whatever. I dropped my bags off and went to Green Lake and hooped outside for three hours. The day before the game, this is in season, in a contract year, right? <laughs> so I go and still played three hours. Me and Dub C went out there and played. And then I still killed the sun. I had 31 the next day. You know what I mean? But just the love of the game, bro, it's always uh, kept a hold on me. And even to this day, that's the reason why I'm still playing. It ain't financially, it ain't accolades, it ain't none of that. Like, I just love the game. And whenever I retire, I'll be playing – somewhere in a, in a local gym near you. You know what I mean? That's just what it is. And uh, I'm, I'm a big Phoenix Suns fan, so. Okay. Hey, you ain't going to meet too many Suns fans. He's yeah, a real yeah, Suns they, fan. They stand out for sure. <laughs> so now I definitely remember you even. Like you said that, I mean, on multiple occasions on when you uh, signed the teams that, you know, you play for the love of the game still. Yeah. And I, I was I, – I watched – pretty much every game uh the, the end of that what was that 18 19 season yeah yeah and you and him bro and like tell me about like the last like few weeks like what was going on like in your in your head and then you know that that 50 yeah. ball you drop so i'm gonna I'm I'm make it come full circle bro what, what it was was when i first signed there at the time you being a phoenix Suns fan you know they ain't been in the playoffs in a minute mm-hmm. so they kind of told me like we're trying to go for it we just need bets at every position you know like we're trying to get to the playoffs so, you know, you got myself, Tyson Chandler, um, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson. So you got vets kind of, you know, sprinkled throughout the roster. Before the season started, a month into the season, Trevor's gone, Tyson's gone. It's just me and Ryan. So from that point, we're going young again. Well, I don't really, on the court at least, provide much for a team going young. So mm-hmm. it became more leadership, right? So, so now you, you're dealing with battles. I'm away from my family for the first time. Um, I flew home every single off day I had because my family was here. Um, I got my first DMP that game. I mean, that season against Boston because we're going young, right? So just that whole thing, but you can't fight it because then it's like, oh, well, he's not buying into the role. He's not, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, man, I'm just kind of, I got to make the best of it. So fast forward to that last month, we're still going young, but everybody's kind of hurt. And so the month of April, they was like, just go hoop. I'm like, I can just hoop. They're like, just hoop. (laughs) Bro, I averaged 31 and six off the bench. That's my highest score month in my career. Yep. I like, period. Mm-hmm. New York days, Clipper days, Bulls days, whenever. That was my highest score month in my career. And I did off the bench. I averaged 31 and six. So, another backstory I knew going into that last game against Dallas, all I needed mm-hmm. was 25. Because at that point, <laughs> I think me, Kobe and Kareem were the only people to score like three straight 25 point games at that age and at that far in their career. Yeah. So all I knew was 25. I had 25 going into the fourth quarter. And I've had 50 numerous times, so I know what it feels like. So it still didn't feel like 50. Yeah. <laughs> but I scored 13 the first four minutes of the fourth. 
and I had 38 with eight minutes to go, and that's when it went off in my hand, like, oh, this is a 50 night. Like, I knew it at that point. You know what I'm saying? But that, that wasn't the, the script going into it. And mm-hmm. you get rolling, bro. I promise to God, I felt like I was just in the backyard. I felt like I was in open gym. I felt like I was just at pro end, just hooping. And my teammates was finding me. Coach drawing up some great plays. I always say that. When you score that many points, it's never just you. It's mm-hmm. somebody setting the screen. It's somebody getting the ball. It's somebody drawing the play. And so they kind of just rolled with it. And we was down. It was Dirk's last night, so we wasn't going to win. They weren't going to let us win his last home game. But um, we was down like 25 and got to within two. Right. And it was it was crazy. Like it was crazy. And then to get 50 and be the only player to ever score 50 on four different teams and to break Michael Jordan's record for age, scoring 50, and then to be the, the, the only player to ever score 50. I mean, that much off the bench. Like it was three records broken that night. And that was God, bro. I was just thankful. Very and people thankful. don't and people don't understand, you know, what it takes, Ma. I want you to briefly talk about like what it takes being in Phoenix, you know, a team that's losing. How what's the mental like being able to you know, sit on the bench, yeah. play when you're needed. And then the last two weeks of the season, they say, Maul, we need you to hoop. Like, guys don't understand there's a difference between pros and professionals. Talk about that. Bro, they don't understand, like you said, because more than anything, it's the mental challenges, right? Because not only am I fighting, I, this ain't what I signed up for. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I'm also fighting the age thing. Oh, he ain't doing it because he's older now. I'm like, no, nah, that's not that. I just ain't got the opportunity to do it. Right. But if I come out and tell you all that, you're going to say, oh, he's, it's all about him. He's a yep. cancer. So it's like you're fighting all these battles and I had so much time to think, right? Because my family's out there. So I'm really just, I had nothing to, to, to bounce that off of. So I just went to the gym at night. I go at night. The game I didn't play against uh, Boston was my first DMP in my career. I didn't know I wasn't going to play none of that. After the game, Boston saw me working out in the practice gym, right there on the spot. I'm working out for hours. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was my refuge. So, it's it's like a, a somebody screaming, not for help, but almost screaming like, hey, hey, I'm here, and you're kind of invisible. I'm like, now nah, I know I can hoop. I know I can hoop. I, if I couldn't, I'd be like, I'd be the first to say, like, no, I can't hoop, I can't keep up. But I know I can hoop, but you're not getting a chance to show that. That's why that last month for me personally was, like, validation. Like, I've been telling y'all, like, this is, I can do this in my sleep. You know what I'm saying? So, that, that part of staying professional, not blowing up, you know, not going off on coaches, not going off on, not being selfish. So, oh, another thing, when I did play, I played point guard. Mm-hmm. Yep. So everybody yeah, knows that, that's I'm a score, right? So yeah. I wasn't even trying to get in their way. I'm like, nah, I had my time to kind of be the guy. I understand it. I'm going to help y'all grow. So Booker, DeAndre Aiden, they love playing with me because I was like, here, y'all got it. I'm going to get you the ball. I'm going to get you easy shots. Just knowing the game. You know what I mean? So, so many different challenges. And that was one of the things I was most proud about was how that season ended up. From, the, from where it started. Like you said, the mental toughness and being a professional every single day, never being late, always being early, always getting my extra work in. Like that that stuff mattered to me. And, you know, talking about like, you know, you getting that chance to finally get back in the league towards the end of the season last uh, this past season. Uh-huh. Uh, that was like one of the biggest shocks around the NBA world is, I mean, yeah. especially real hoopers. And people who really love the game really not understanding, especially after what you literally just did at the end of the season, that you know that you weren't on a team to begin the NBA season. Bro, it was so crazy because not only what I did on the court <laughs> the year before, I won teammate of the year. In the yeah, NBA. yeah, definitely. Bro, I was more proud about that. I was more proud about that than any of my six man awards and any fifty point games because that's a testament to character to me. That's like truly wanting 
somebody else, the person next to you, to be even more successful than you are and really caring about that every single day. And for the whole league, I didn't just want it for my team. I wanted it for the league. Yeah. So for the league to take notice, and if you look at the guys who've won it, uh, Vince Carter, Chauncey Billups, Tim Duncan, Shane Battier. Hall of Famers. Bro, and these are like class character guys, right? So for me to yeah. win it, I'm like, okay, so they know I'm a good dude. I sure I can still play. That's why it was such a like a riddle on Twitter for everybody. That's why it was so crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, how can this dude not sign? Even if I couldn't play, the yeah. knowledge and veteran leadership, if he's a good dude, why wouldn't you want him in your locker room? Right. But the fact he could play, that's when people scratch their head like, man. So I had moments there where I would scratch my head. I would go crazy and like be upset about it. But then I looked at it. It got to a point where I was like, you know what? It's out of my hands. God must be saying, you know, what? I want you to spend more time with your family because there was stuff I was able to attend that I missed for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I took it and looked at it as a blessing, bro. That's big. And, you know, just even like talking about like that, you go from you know, being, I mean, arguably probably the best six man to, to ever play this game. People who don't even, like, ain't seen you even before off, like, the NBA court, in my opinion, you're also, like I said, one of the smartest basketball players to ever play this yeah. game. I think people get uh, how flashy you play. Yeah, that, 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 that don't really see that's that. the riddle for me. That's the Chinese riddle, right? They they see my tattoos, they see the flag, <laughs> then they hear me talk and they see me they're like, hold on, this ain't really adding up. You know what I mean? It's, they didn't have yeah. it right away. And it's I, I've been through it my whole career and whole life, bro. Like people don't know, like I won a championship in high school as a point guard. Yep. I went to the NBA as a point guard, yeah. but they never really figured out what to do with me because I could score so easy as well. So they was like, well, and, and at that time in the NBA, it wasn't like positionless basketball like you were a point guard or you were a shooting guard or you were this right so once I said scoring a lot they're like okay you're a shooting guard think about like remember AI and Stephon Marbury used to get criticized yeah they're like oh he ain't passing the ball he ain't playing mm-hmm. you know what I mean now that player is end all be all they're everything yeah. now. They're it don't matter now. Yep. you know what I mean so yeah. it's, it's amazing how the game has changed in that regard but for me to your point like I just I could do either one. Then it's like, oh, I was like, I come off the bench. I was, I was that confident in my game that it didn't matter what adversity, what whatever role you wanted me to put in, I felt like I could flourish in that role. It's like it's like being in a band, right? You're supposed to just play the drums. And now I'm gonna go sing now. Now I'm gonna play the piano. Now they're like, hold on, what are we doing with this dude? You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how it was. Yeah. I think oh, look at it more. Go ahead, go ahead, Fred. No, I was gonna fast forward just a little bit. I wanted you to talk a little bit about. What the bubble was like, more uh, signing to the Brooklyn Nets, yeah. going into going into the bubble with the you know the young Karis LeVert, the Jared Allen, yeah. guys like that. Talk about that. So first off, I had had conversations with Brooklyn early in the season. Mm-hmm. So people don't know, out of all the people in the league, Katie and Kai are probably two of the ones I'm closest to. That's not like from the town. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. Them two, along with LaMarcus, along with D-Rose, them as ones like, and Jimmy Butler, like them as ones that are like, we tight, tight, tight. So I had talked to them early in the season, but then when everything happened with COVID, my agent was like, man, this is real. Like they, they want to bring you in. I'm like, for real? And, but I've been hearing that, not just from them, from other teams all year. So I don't want to get my hopes up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've been on pins and needles the whole time. Twitter so, was going crazy. They was like, man, Marnie to get on. You know, they, everybody felt like you should have been on the team, man. So. Right, right. So, and then you get to the bubble, you don't know what to expect. From the testing to what practice is going to look like, like how, like how are we going to all be around each other? 
and no infections or nothing happened, right? So we don't know what to think. So they lock it down to where you get tested every single day. We, they put eight teams in each hotel. And our hotel was Dallas, Memphis, Indiana, Orlando, Philly, OKC, Houston, and us. So we, we saw each other every day, shared the pool, everything. We had yep. we got the meal rooms, test everything. The thing I'll say about the bubble is that if you love the game, if you truly love the game, it's mm-hmm. for you. It's for you because you practice, you can go back at night. There was times I, me and me and Karis went back at night, me and Vert went back at night, and there'd be Westbrook on the other end shooting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just getting it in. So it's like if you love it, you'll you, I mean, if you love the game, you're gonna love the bubble. If you don't love it, you're like, man, this is getting boring. This is you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Otis or talked just, about that too. It yeah. showed for a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah or just the mental challenge of you know, not having nobody to, to, to kind of bounce that from. Thank God for FaceTime, but I was able to still pull off stuff I needed to pull off as far as like working out my son. I do it virtually on FaceTime and just like stuff like that. But if you love hoop, it's for you. It was all the way for you. And it's a hooper's gym. It's like playing open gym or like mm-hmm. playing pro. That's why you see so many role players showing out because yep. there's no pressure. It's I, remember, I remember playing their eighth grade nationals. I remember playing their eighth yeah, grade yeah. nationals. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just for hoopers, bro. Yeah. So that part of it, I love for sure. Yeah. Man, what was your thought? When in that first game back, you know, you got it on a roll before you got it. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you my thoughts, bro. This is no lie. You was cooking too. You bro, bro, I may have been the, I may have been the best player for five minutes out there. Yeah, facts. Out. So so I have practice up, right? And I've been practicing. And the practices for my teammates and for the coaches and for everybody in the, with the nets, the game looked just like the practices did. Yeah. So it didn't shock them. The only part that shocked them was, man, he hasn't played an actual game in 16 months. Yeah. And I'm not just coming back against a team that was weak. At the time, they were number one in the league. Like, right. I'm coming back against the – I was like, no, nah, I want to play against them. <laughs> right? So, I, I'm, I'm coming back against the best team. And so, even when I was out there the first time, I'll never forget, up and down, I went, oh, this kind of feel weird just being 5-on-5. Five five. Usually, I play 5-on-5 five five yeah. all the time. But with the yeah. virus, I stopped playing fives in March. And that was kind of a part that kind of got me because I, I hadn't played five. Usually I played five, five every other day of my life. So that's the part that got me. But anyways, but once I, I, I had three assists before I took a shot, yep. right? So once I hit the first shot, then I and, I and I scored again. And I'm looking, and I'm looking at who's guarding me, and I'm looking at their eyes. And now they're starting to look around for help when I'm coming down the court. I'm like, oh, I got them. I was like, bro, I said, I'm about to paint a masterpiece. Right, I was like, oh, I'm right. back, I'm back <laughs> I promise you, I was like, I'm about to paint a masterpiece. I'm about to, without it, I promise you, every minute I would have played, if I would have played, I had, in, in, in five minutes, I had five points and three assists. Yeah. If I would have played 20 minutes, I was going to have 20 points and eight assists. Yeah. I, whatever minute I played, I was going to have a point. I promise you. Because I, I figured out, I was like, oh, it's back. And I thought it would take longer to come back. It was back. I'm like, oh, it's back. Yeah. And my team was lifted. Like, the energy, they was like, man, like, you know what I mean? Like, it gave them some, some, some fuel. And that was dope. So right now you're going into year 20 mall. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure we all know the answer. Is, is the goal to be playing on an NBA team at the beginning of the season? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I realistically think it's going to happen. And, and I don't think it'll take as long as it did before. Bro, in those five minutes, this is no lie. You should – like, I had so many messages. <laughs> wow. Not as, I didn't have as many messages when I signed. But I had messages from people in the league like, man, it looked like you ain't missed a beat. 
Man, I feel like the whole the whole town like tuned into that game like it was a playoff. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was almost like in a weird way, it was almost like those five minutes did for me what the 50 point game couldn't do for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was almost like those five minutes, people were like, oh, he still got it. We gonna we gonna holler at him next year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just it's yeah, I have no doubt I'll be playing this year and it won't be as long. So uh the three stints that I feel like, you know, that you are you're best known for is the, the stint with Golden State, mm-hmm. uh, the stint with the Atlanta Hawks, and the stint mm. with the Clippers. Mm. Where, where do you feel was your best stop, even on and off the court? Where do you feel like you evolved the most? You know, it's crazy. I don't know if y'all seen the Player Tribune, but I said that I talked about this in mm-hmm. a different way. So for me, I love all of them because they were all a different challenge. Mm. Right. So and it's like if you're if you're an actor in a movie, right? Let's say you're Tupac in Above the Rim. Mm-hmm. You still Tupac, but this movie in in uh let's say Juice, you may not have a, as big a role. It may not be yeah. centered around you. So yeah. you're still the same dude, it's just maybe a different role. And I look at like albums, like everybody has their favorite who's your favorite artist, OT? Uh I'm gonna go J. Cole right now. Cole, right? Mm-hmm. So some people love Forest Hills Drive, mm-hmm. other people love um, maybe uh, one of his mixtapes. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. right. Friday right. Night Lights. Friday, Friday Night. Night Lights, right. Yeah. So so that's my thing. It's not that he's not a different coach, just which one do you like? Yeah. So for me, like if I was going to compare my career in albums, Golden State was like that slept on album that was dope, right? But not too many people saw because we didn't win. Yep, agreed. To me, the Knicks, a lot of people think the Knicks was like the best version of me. But that was like where I was kind of centered to be, hey, it's your ball, go do what you do. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that I was any different in LA. It's just LA, I was coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But I was still the same dude. But some people, that was their favorite album, right? The Clippers, because I was, was on the best team, so we was exposed to more. And people saw us more. So it just all depends. And for me, something like Phoenix, the numbers won't show that, but know immensely what I had to go through to get to that point was fulfilling for me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's just, yeah. it just depends. It just depends, bro. What was your favorite? I should say, what was your favorite version or favorite Man, Crawford or whatever? I'm gonna I'm say, I'm gonna start off with like, uh, personally, I say Golden State was really a highlight to watch you there. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought, I thought Don Nelson and his up and down system was perfect. Would have been perfect. Yeah, yeah. I did too. And then hey, I, well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you got it. But I will say that I thought seeing you being able to compete night and night out. Plus, Mom Dukes is a big Clippers fan, so okay. I'm gonna say Clippers was definitely up there too. What yeah, the Clip- yeah, the Clippers is, is the Clippers was for me because you know that was that that was at a point where I feel like Maul got a chance to really win right now. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, and, yeah. and he's not just he's not just you know somebody on the team. He's one of the nah. intricate parts of the yeah, team. Yeah, I was one of the key pieces. Like that right. that meant something for the town. Like watching that, right. like where all the Lob City stuff was going on. But yeah, yep. Maul, Maul's doing his thing too, though. Right. So that meant right. that meant a lot to me just to be able to see that and for you to be able to win because I know even outside of basketball, like that means a lot to you. That means everything to me. That yep. mean, it's crazy because uh, Karis Levert went on a podcast with uh, CC Sabathia. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what part shocked you most about Jamal? And he was like, you know what? And he kind of said what you said. He's like, people see him from a distance and they see the yeah. flash and they see how he plays. Mm-hmm. He said, this dude wants to win more than anybody I ever met. He was like, winning's everything to him. Yeah, he said, if I lose a shooting drill, I'm going to hear about it later. If I 
lose a scrimmage, I'm gonna hear about it later. So like <laughs> yeah. that part of it is everything to me. You know what I mean? And so, uh, and he said he, he said if he was with me early in his career, just that mindset. He's like, I care about what you guys should look it up. He's like, I care about winning, but yeah. that dude's like on a whole nother level with it. Like I would okay. even been even better at this point. So just like stuff like that. Yep. But you're right. And that's a reason why too, uh, why you won teammate of the year and uh, even just talking about you transitioning to even be more of a role model to the young guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about, I mean, it's personally a question for me. Uh, what, what was the relationship like between, firstly, even uh, you being, I actually know you guys are around the same age. What was your relationship like with Kobe? Oh, man. Wow. So it evolved, right? It evolved mm-hmm. from me just being scared to talk to him. Like, you know what I mean? That's Kobe, bro. Like, <laughs> out of all the people I played against, like, even the stars would tell you, like, Kobe is just different. So, it went from that to then, like, a, we got into it in the game. Not in a bad way. Like, I went off. Like, it, it was a game. You could look it up. It was a game where he scored his young – he was youngest to score 20,000 points. Mm-hmm. And I scored 30 and a half. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got it. And we came all the way back. We ended up losing. But I got his respect. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, okay, okay. So then he evolved, evolved. Then I remember one time, the first time we really, like, talked was when uh, after a game in Atlanta, my first year in Atlanta, and we beat him. And he, he was standing over there with Monica and Shannon Brown. I'll never forget, I was in, the, like, the hallway in the back. He said, man, can't nobody grow all that shit. I can cuss on here, my fault. No, you good. You, you good. Oh, okay. you good. You good. You good. I just came out now. He's like, can't nobody grow all that shit. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm looking because we ain't never talked like that. So I'm looking. Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you, man. You know, can't nobody go all that. He's doing his hand. I'm like, can't nobody go all that shit, man. Can't nobody go all that. And we just kind of went from there. So yeah. then that was in Atlanta. So then we go to, I go to LA. And I start seeing him more. Um, and then my son, was the son, was that first? No, it was the second time. So um, then what happened was the program happened. We up here, and it was the yeah. uh, the Sherman game, mm-hmm. and we kind of around each other talking, love, and and I'm like, man, I do not want to ask this dude. He just got a different aura. I'm like, man, I said, Cole. I finally got enough courage after like the end of the day, bro. I'm like, Cole, man, everybody think you coming to pro am, man. That's not true. I'm like, man, everybody think you coming to pro am, man. You gonna can you stop by? He's like, you playing? I said, yeah. I'm gonna come. And one of the dudes with him was like, no, nah, we got to get back to LA. He's like, no, nah, I'm going. He brought his whole family, bro. Okay, last minute. And he had every reason in the world to be like, nah, I'll come back or anything. He's like, no, nah, I'm coming. And he came to the game. So from that point on, now we start texting. Like, it's it's love. I remember one time, my son, JJ. Yeah, little you know, JJ. Yeah, because the Clippers <laughs> and the Lakers, we just played. And he was like, he saw Kobe. I was like, dad, can I talk to Kobe? I'm like, yeah. So he was like, um, He's like, well, you come to my house, so I can play you one-on-one. And Kobe was like, hold on, you're going to try to beat me in front of you? Like, you're going to try to cross me? He said, you're going to try to cross me over in front of you like your dad? <laughs> and Jay was like, yeah. He said, nah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't beat me. He said, but don't ever lose that mentality. He told JJ that. Like, don't mm-hmm. ever lose that mentality. And so, um, I, you know, I was the conversation. I said, JJ, you want a picture with him? And Jay's like, nah, I'm cool. And Kobe scooped him up like, now nah, you're taking a picture with me. And I got the picture. But just like I'll show you guys this, I don't know if you can see this type of different stuff. It's in my office. Oh, okay. Let me know if you can see. Hold up. You see his shoes? Yeah. I see the shoes. Yeah, he signed his. That was the last time we played. He signed his shoes. Damn. 
You see it? That's crazy. That's that's classic, that. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, Come on, man. You see us in the case, man. That's real deal right there. He said to Jamal, great competing against you, my man, Kobe Bryant. It's like, crazy so how much it's game. crazy how much he respects the people that really compete against him, not yeah, like yeah. He's, his whole I mean? is competition. Bro. So yeah, so that was just and our relationship just evolved, bro. Like think about it, like Body Armor is one of the sponsors for our pro am. He's part yeah. owner of Body Armor. Like so our, our relationship just evolved and evolved and evolved, bro, to a point where we just texting and everything. Yeah, man. Shout out uh Kobe Bryant, Rip Kobe Bryant. Yeah. For sure. Uh, you're now listening to Hook, Hook Podcast. Oh, I got another picture. Uh, oh. This was the game I was talking about. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this that was, was the game. Ooh, that was okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, when, we, that was when they that was when we wore the classics, huh? Yep. Yep. Lakers yep, yep, wore the yep. classics, huh? Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it was, bro. Yeah. yeah. He was, yep. You got you yeah. got some good stuff back there. Yeah, come on, man. No, I got, got, <laughs> yeah, I got some stuff back here, man. I don't know if you can see that one. Yeah, if you got some if you got anything, Kobe boy, you oh, that hoe? Man. Yeah. Was, man. <laughs> come on, you know Maul was Maul was team rock hooping in those, oh, man. Definitely. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you see that one? What well, what's that? Oh, I'm showing y'all exclusive stuff. Hold <laughs> on. Let me see. Let me see if y'all can see this. I don't know if you can see it. Hold up. Can you see it? Ah, uh, ooh, we, uh, yep. The goat. The goat. Yeah, so just exclusive stuff, man. In here, but yeah. Yeah, bro. And then, uh, uh, you know, you touched on that, uh, you touched on that, you know, the mall league and, you know, being from Seattle, we, we, we've all done watched it grow to what it, what it is now. Yeah. And, and like, man, like, I remember just like yesterday when y'all 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 had the Julie come pull up. That was <laughs> yeah. like the height of like pro ams. It's like people now I think really saw the the skill set and uh you know what we got out here in Seattle. And right, right. We need our respect. How how you yeah. feel about like you know the respect Seattle gets in in, in the hoop game? It's getting more, bro. To be honest with you, because to be very all the way honest, when I man, was the pro ams on a the pro ams on a video game, man. Like, Come on, bro, that's crazy. Crazy EA sports, right? <laughs> yeah. Even Doug Christie, who passed the pro am to me, was like, "Shout out, Doug." Yep, I remember when it was that beat. Legend. Yep. He was like, bro. He was like, y'all on a video game, like just so when it's a trip to watch him come back and look at pro am, like man, he some of the things he wasn't even probably thinking of. He's thinking of just getting guys to run the city and getting some exposure. But we just continue to let it grow, bro. But like when I was coming out of high school, it was a big thing to go D1. Mm-hmm. Like if you went to Washington or Michigan, North Carolina, it was like going to the NBA, bro. Yeah. Cause you knew people in your hood and your community was gonna be able to see you on TV. Like that was like a big thing, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was just like seeing Jason Terry, seeing Doug Christie, seeing Mike D, Buddha Edwards was kind of further ahead, but seeing those guys especially was like, man, like it was almost like a dream. Yeah. And then afterwards, you see more guys start to come through and, and 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 not even necessarily make the NBA, just continue to play college basketball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Fred, you going to SU, bro, like, that was like, like, seeing those things, bro, and yeah. the evolution and shit, like, that was so yeah. dope, bro. And I, now, like, a lot of people don't know I was Cam's first recruit. See what I'm saying? And now, now kids believe they can go to the NBA from our neighborhood, from yeah. our city. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Because before, I, I didn't, like... 
It was more so just going. Even if you don't make it, just having the opportunity. Having the belief that you can, right? You're going to put the work in to get it. And you don't have to. I'm not saying this is NBA or bust. I'm just saying in general for the kids to have a belief that they can do it because that wasn't the case before. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. Because even if you shoot for the moon, land on the stars, right? right? It don't mean you can't go have an impact somewhere or another, bro. Like it just means like you have something huge to shoot for. Yep. You know, I, I, I don't think there's. There's not one team, not one player or anything that is – there's nothing bigger than I feel like Jamal Crawford when it comes to culture of Seattle basketball. And, you know, you've laid your – you laid your stomping grounds down and you've paved the way for a lot of these, especially, I mean, what we've seen, Fred, a lot of these young guys now coming up. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, they've came through and, you know, have, have been guided in somewhat by you, Maul, like – uh, yeah. Yep. Not to cut you off, but to be honest, yeah. with you, it's crazy. Me and Baby Boy was just talking about this last night. I promise yeah. to God. And he kind of said what you said. And I said, yeah, but the coolest thing about it, bro, isn't that like I'm looked at like this. The coolest part about it is I really can have an effect on the generations coming up behind yeah. me. I was just getting ready to ask you too about that mentorship. Yeah, they can change their surroundings. They can change their community. Yeah. And then each one, you okay, you can do it. I did it. You can do it too. Now you yeah. go get him. Now you go get him. And before you know it, we all stronger because we all like reaching back to grab the next one. You know yeah. what I'm saying? This don't mean this don't mean NBA or bust. This yeah. is like just be like give yourself a chance to uplift your community, uplift yeah. your people, and, and, and make your surroundings better. Yeah, you can go across the water, play ten years, and do great. You can be around the game. You can be yeah. somebody behind the camera doing. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is. Like help somebody out if you can, bro. Especially in our, in our, and I think that's what makes our community special. I tell people all the time, I didn't have to go to the NBA for hoop to change my life. So right, no, not at all, not at all, bro. But nah, you and you hear a lot of these young guys nowadays. You know the Zachs, the Baby Boys, and mm-hmm. you know the Marquis Chris's and the Matisse Stibles. A lot of guys they they talk about you know, what you mean, you know what I mean? Even guys that are in high school, down to middle school, they all talk about how important you are to the city and, you know, just being somebody that's of access and, you know, always being humble, you know what I mean? Always giving back, always lending an ear. Bro, and and that's a blessing because I never did it for that. You can ask any any of them. I never asked them for one thing. The whole thing was Doug Christie did it for me. Gary Mm -hmm. Payton did it for me. Sean Mm -hmm. Kemp did it for me. And I know how important it was to me that they did that. Right. So I was like, man, if I could do this for my, I didn't think of one person. I'm like, if I could do this for my community, man, then they do it. Then they do like, it's, that's, bro, that's a blessing. Sending that elevator down. Man, always. Right. Always. I don't care who you are. And that's the only thing I ask for any of them is to keep sending it down, bro. Go get some more. Keep sending it down. Get some and just until it doesn't, it'll never stop. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what something outlives you. Right. When the legacy part of it, when you can look back like, man, man, 5,000 people right here benefited one way or another. And they, you know, help their community and they're doing things the right way. And they're about to help another 5,000. It ain't about me no more. Like, it's yeah. about us continuing that that culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why, I mean, Seattle's in great hands right now when it comes yeah. to the whole world. And, you I mean, you see a lot of youngins coming up. You're still out there in the community. Your face mm-hmm. is always... Uh, out on, on the open, you're accessible to a lot of these young guys. Bro, and that's not going to never change. Like, my right. sister told me something a long time ago, and, and it stuck with me for life. If you come into a lot of fame, a lot of money, whatever it might be, you are 
you become a bigger version of what you already were. If you were somebody who stunted on people before you had money, now you got money, you really about to stun on it. You yeah. was a giver, who somebody who looked out for people, yeah. now you got more money, you really about to look out for them. You just become a bigger version of what you already were. Yep. And so for me, I've always been this person. So it wasn't like I had to make a transformation, none of that. I just had more in abundance to help with because I've always been the helper. I remember giving somebody uh, that didn't have a place to stay. I remember I bought a pizza with a 50 and I think I got like 45 back. I gave the whole 45. I didn't know where my next was coming from, but I just right. felt like it was the right thing to do. So I, it's always been that for me. Yeah, man. Like I said, we, we see that all, all across the city. And speaking of the city, so I don't, I don't know if you know. So you, you know a name of Philip Heath? Come on, man. Of course. That's my brother. Yeah, so that, that's my uncle. But get so, out of here. Yeah. <laughs> For real? Swear. Hey, let me tell you a story, full circle story <laughs> about Phil, bro. And this is no lie, he'll tell you. So, you know, we played together at Beach. Mm-hmm. I got a couple. Let me tell you two stories. Yep. One story. So we played together at Beach. And Phil, I stole his Brian McKnight. Not stole it. I did end up stealing it. He let me borrow his Brian McKnight CD. Yeah. <laughs> I never gave it back. I was like, oh, I forgot. I lost it. Whatever. Right? <laughs> to think 16 years later, Brian McKnight would be singing in my wedding when Phil was there. That's crazy. So me and Phil, I'm at the wedding. I'm like, Phil, bro, did you ever think when I took your CD, bro, that Brian McKnight was sitting at a wedding? That's one story, right? So we was just thinking and just thankful. And the second story was, you know, like you said, I'd be in local gyms all the time. And they, they you know, they get excited yeah. sometimes. Philip walked in, bro. <laughs> it was like Michael Jordan walked in their world. Yeah. They lost it. It's crazy. They lost it, bro. <laughs> and that's dope for me. Like, dang, like I get to sit back and look at like, hey, bro, you got these people going crazy. We have been, been, been with him at his Mr. Olympia shows in Vegas. Me and Otis have oh, been with him. And this is him like, God. Hey, ask him. I've used him numerous times when people tell me they love him and they have no idea we're connected. I mm. call. <laughs> all right, my son. Put him on the phone. They be like, what? Hold up. It's like they talk to Jordan, bro. And that's dope. I'm really, really happy for him. That's what's up. Talking about that's 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 dope. One thing I wanted to uh, ask you, Ma. A lot of people don't know you went to California before you came back your junior year to yes. Rainbow Beach. Yes. I wanted to ask you: Did anything happen in your life or basketball-wise that that elevated your game? Because I didn't get to see you play before you left, but all I heard when you came back junior year, like this is the dude. Like, yeah, the, I'll- the about it. So I want to know: Did something happen in Cali or? If, did it click nah, bro, there or did it click in Seattle? It clicked. I'm going to tell you what happened. So before I left, my team was really good. I was just playing. Yeah, I guess it would be considered in-house. At the time. Yeah. I played for Rotary. Yep. It was young. My Rotary was like the AU team. All yeah. we did was go to Reno and Vegas. Everybody right? went through in-house. Yeah, all right. But for Beach, it was Rainier Beach Community. So I was playing for Community Center. But mm-hmm. we was good. But I was like, I'll never forget it, bro. I stayed with my same coach, too, from 8 all the way until I left, to 13. So 8 years old, bro. You know how it is. Two line layups. Kids really getting the ball up, bro. I'm going behind my back doing like <laughs> backwards jellies, bro, at eight. So they're mm. looking like, hold up, what? So then I start playing center, but I was playing point guard on offense, center on defense, because I was a little taller. So I, the talent was always there. Yeah. I moved to LA. I spent a lot of time in the backyard just by myself. Mm-hmm. I always tell kids that I'm like, man, if you love something, nobody has to push you towards it. You're going to find yourself spending all your time doing that, yeah. right? So I was always doing that. And then I start growing. I get a little taller. I'm probably like 6'2 when I go into ninth grade. But I start playing against Baron Davis. 
Kenny Bruner, Shea mm. Cotton. So I'm playing. I'm ineligible, by the way. Freshman, yeah. sophomore, I make varsity, I'm ineligible. So I'm, all my runners come in the summer in backyard. Mm-hmm. So right before I left to come back up here at 16, it clicked. Mm-hmm. Like it clicked, clicked. Yeah, like I heard 15, it clicked. Nah, it cl- like 15, <laughs> it clicked, right? So before I come up here, I'm like, okay, I'm official now. The talent I thought I had, because I just wasn't as confident. Yeah. But the talent I thought I had was already there. Skill set was already there. So I'm like, yeah. all right. So then it, the, the mentality changed. Like, no, nah, they can't mess with you. Like, mm-hmm. I started having success against them. Mm-hmm. So when I came back here at 16, it became, I mean, bro, I was I was a rapper on his mixtape circuit. I'm at Raider <laughs> Beach. I'm at Miller. I'm at Garfield. I'm at Franklin. I'm at Late Night. Yeah. Wherever there was a run, I'm there. Yeah. So the word, it's before social media. So the words start traveling. Like, you remember little Jamal? Like, he's back. He's tall, too. He's tall. Yeah. He's back. So I come back at 6'4", right? And so when I come back, come here. When I come back, come say what's up. JJ just walked in. <laughs> Good, up, JJ. Man. Say what's up. Hello, Juan. What's up, Blake? <laughs> I told you a Kobe story when you walked up on Kobe. Yeah. But um, so when I come back, the words traveling fast, right? And I'm like, all right. So I, I'm doing my thing, and, and I made to – then I get to invite to the pro am. At the time, mm-hmm. only me and Doug Wren are the only high school kids playing in the pro am. Sean Kemp, Doug Christie, Damon Stoudemire, Yikadari, Cliff Robinson, rest in peace. And I, by the end of it, I'm averaging 30. So now the whole city is like, hold up, we got <laughs> here, right? Yeah. So I'm going to Sonic, bro, I'm going to Sonic's facility at 16. I'm playing against the Sonics at 16, and I'm killing. Wow. So when I'm thinking, like, if I'm killing, are having success. Let me be humble. Let me tell the truth. I'm having success <laughs> against pros, right? I went too far right there. My bad. I'm having success against pros. Yeah. I'm like, when I get back to high school, oh, it's over. I don't even see nobody. So I was like, we're going to win a championship. I didn't care about making all state. I didn't stay player. None of that. I didn't care about no stats. I'm like, we're going to win a championship. It's going to be a show every night. And that's what we yeah. did. I we have. King. Shout out Ricky Frazier. You already mm. know. So that's how it went. That's how it went, bro. I was on it, but the Sonics started coming to my games. Like yeah, I heard it was, I heard it was crazy. And you got Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and them, bro. I just showed Paulo this. I just showed Paulo this. I was like, how many, how many people was at your state tournament? It's like, uh, it was, you know, probably ten thousand, twelve thousand. I said, how many was at Michael Porter's? He's like, there was a lot there. I said, okay, I looked it up. Michael Porter's like twenty nine thousand for the state yeah. tournament. I don't know if you know this, Fred. To this day, we got the state tournament record. It was 59,000 people at the state tournament. <laughs> no, nah, I definitely didn't know that. Bro, it was at the King Dome. King Griffey Jr. was there. Ooh. Eric Metcalf was there. Like, so, like, this, the buzz went out of control. This is before uh, social media. That's bigger. crazy. So, our team, we felt like we was the Bulls or the Lakers, bro. We yeah. Like, <laughs> we got the at, city out and more. Bro, at this time, I'm be honest with you. At this time, Gary Payton is – the most popular player in the whole city. Mm. Sean Kemp's the second most popular player. They're right there. Yeah. I may have been top three or four most popular players <laughs> in high school. Right, like, right. I mean, ah, that's I think, right. <laughs> yeah, like, and I think I'm not saying in a in a in a, in a like a boast stick my chest out. I'm saying like in a disbelief. Like as I say it, it's still like damn. Like, yeah. For real? Like you know what everything I, mean? like, I heard was was yeah. of that. Trust me, man, Fred. I had like front row tickets for. Like I said, I mean, me and Grandpa <laughs> used to go to every game, and I just being all after every game. Just like the crowd you're bringing in at Rainer Beach, and yeah, just, like yeah. what's going on? I, I was just yeah, and I mean, and we were so connected as a team. That was what was so dope about it. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like we were so connected. It wasn't just me. Like it was Phil. It was Dave King. It was Ricky Fraser. It was Tim Ellis. I mean, Marquise Smith, who didn't score a lot, but he played his role. He's like our Dennis Rodman. Like we yeah. needed everybody. So it was, it was dope. It was Coach Mike's first championship too. So that was dope. Ooh, yeah. okay. That started it off. That started it, yeah. Yeah. Ninety-eight or 03, Maul. Who was 03's team? That's that's not Lod, the twins, right? Lod Rod, uh, Nate, Nate, DJ. They was tough, bro. They was tough. I'm going to be honest with you. I think the best team, though, may have been the 14 team. Ooh. With Baby Boy. Ooh, that team was tough. It was Shaquan Aaron. They just had – they had dogs. They had dogs. <laughs> they had I dogs. You say that, though. That's crazy. Piper, yeah, that's – that's. Yeah, Dewan Piper. Elijah. Yeah, they, 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 they was, had guys. They yeah, they, they may have been. Like, they may have been for sure. Damn, okay, folks. You guys heard that here before. It's not, not 03, not 98. Yeah. 03, yeah. 03 was – but remember, like, for a while, I think 14 – well, maybe one and two in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They was up there, bro. Yeah, and they, they went, they went back they to back six. too, right, Maul? Yeah, they won three. Yeah, three. You're right. Yes, they did. Yeah, they won three. They did. Yeah, they, they, they had it, bro. I can't, I can't fight that. Well, what, what, what do you see? Uh, what do you see for yourself? Do you see yourself maybe whenever basketball does enter yeah. on the court? Do you, do you see yourself still sticking like? In the NBA world of, you know, maybe coaching, front office. Not coaching. Not uh-huh. coaching, but I could see myself, like, because I love the game so much. I could see myself in the front office or broadcasting. Okay. You know, I could easily see either one of those. But I, I love, like, putting teams together and, and kind of seeing how pieces fit. And I love talent. Uh-huh. And I love discovering talent. And, like, yeah. so, yeah, like, I could see myself doing that for sure. And we talk about that a lot. You know, the NBA needs to start getting more basketball guys like you in the front office that, yeah. that really, you know what I mean, that really know the game, really been part of the game, really could, like, put together a team. You know what I mean? Like, we need more yeah. guys like you. That's what I'm, I'm loving seeing, like, Jameer Nelson just got with Philly. Yep. Like, yep. out, right? Mm-hmm. Ty Lue, obviously, coaching. Like, I'm, I'm Chauncey. loving seeing Chauncey being an associate yeah. head coach. Like, mm-hmm. I'm loving seeing, like, true basketball minds, like, you know what it's like to be in that locker room, and you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. seeing people who really know this, like get a chance mm-hmm. to to kind of have. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with you know analytic groups and all that. I'm just saying like to have people right. get right. blood, sweat, and tears who know this, you know, be a part of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no predecessor to uh, Coach Mike. No, no, no. I couldn't play. I couldn't. You know what? If I had to coach, it's crazy because like. Six, seven years ago, I was like, I'll coach high school. But now, like, I like helping out. But I like helping out kids from all over high school, yeah. to be honest with you. Like, I like helping out kids at Garfield, Beach, yeah. Franklin, wherever. So Coaching puts was, a cap on that. Yeah, it does. And I wouldn't want that. But I would coach younger kids. Like, I would okay. coach – because this is, like, the foundation, right, for their, their basketball careers, however long it is. So I would love to coach 9, 10, 11, 12, kind of pre-high school. That would be fun. Speaking of that, what, what do you think about like what B Roy's doing over at Garfield right now? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's dope to see, right? Like, especially him, he's actually walked those hallways. Yeah, yes, I think it means more to you when you went to that school because you want to see them do well, and the pride you have is that school, and, and he's had an enormous amount of success, you know. And I think, you know, players hearing from him. Like, you know, B-Roy's a legend. So players hearing from him and getting it from him, it rings differently 
You know what I mean? Just knowing that he's he's seen the top of the top and not saying that's against nobody else. It's just the fact that, like, he's seen that. He may have been some of their favorite players growing up. You know what I mean? Like, to be able to get coached by him and stuff. Okay, yeah. Just I just want to, you know, uh, say one, you know, one thing before we get you up out of here. Ma, I want you to talk briefly about just um, – just staying in the gym, hard work. What is it? What is it? What, what would you say for the for the guys in college that are coming into the NBA, regardless, number one pick? What would you say about hard work and character to those guys? Yeah, I would say keep the main thing the main thing. Stay in love with it. Like to 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 me, so many people love all the things that come along with it. Instead of still like loving the game, not mm-hmm. saying you can't do other things. Not My guy Clint to. Parks, he always says that. He always that's real, says bro. That. Yeah. You don't have to. I'm not saying you can't have other interests. I'm not saying you can't do other things, but keep the main thing the main thing. Like mm-hmm. stay in love with the process. If you stay in love with the process, the results are gonna come. Yeah. Will they come tomorrow? A year from now? Five years from now? At some point, if you stay in love with the grind of it, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna show up. You know what I mean? So I, I would think just staying in love with it. Don't be distracted. It's so easy to get distracted nowadays. The extras. So many things. The extras, bro. There's so many extras and distractions out there. Just stay in love with it and be a kid. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is always be curious. Mm-hmm. And I heard Kobe say that before. Like, always be curious. Always ask questions. Always find out information. Don't – you have two ears and one mouth so you can listen as twice as much as you talk. Mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett told me that. And that's real. Like – don't have all the answers. You know, when you see a veteran or somebody's been down there trying to make your job easier and trying to help you have a longer career, listen to him, man. Mm-hmm. Listen to them vets. You know what I mean? They're going to guard you the right way. So I think if you do those things, you'll have a, a successful career. This is coming from uh, somebody who's about to enter the, the his 20th year in the NBA. So uh, I think this is some some real truth that you want to hear for all the youngins out there. I appreciate that, bro. I appreciate that. I appreciate y'all having me on, bro. Like, for real. Like, I'm glad yeah. you guys want me on, and hopefully it does well. I'm going to blow it up. Yeah. Oh, man. We definitely, yes, definitely got to have you back down the road. Yeah, we'll do a part two. We'll After the, after the season starts, yeah. we'll do a part yeah. two. That'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah, that'd be dope. We'll catch up then. All right, man. You guys heard it here first. Seattle legend, sixth man of the year. Uh, Jamal Crawford on Hoop Narrative, Episode 6, man. It's your boy, OT. And I'm Fred Dro. Right. Hey, y'all saved Episode 6 for the sixth man, so that's dope. I yeah, come on, man. <laughs> that's dope, okay. Hoop Narrative, man, we out. Steps on the floor, I don't waste time. Two seconds, one shot, I'm going to make mine. Hit a three-pointer on baseline. They want my spot. I'm trying to save mine. So you should move over. So you should move over. So you should move over.